You're listening to the After The Show Movie Podcast brought to you by ascully.com. And here are your hosts, Ace Scully and Sid Talk. Good morning, listeners. Good morning. That was very presumptuous of you. <laughs> Think they're going to start their day with you? Yeah. They're, they're probably- I gotta wake up and... <gasps> Listen to Ace Gully first thing in the morning. You think that's what's happening? Yes, that is exactly what is happening all around the world. I don't think so. What were you talking about just then? There's a menu? Yeah, I was just, I don't know why. Just went to the link for the school in the county that I went to school with a long time ago. We're talking like 35 years ago. And the menu is right out there. For the whole world to see, which is cool, right? If I'm a parent, I want to know. But then I'm looking at it, and I'm like, holy shit. If we could have had this when I was a kid, even though I did love the lunches. I was one of those kids. I was the round kid. I, I liked cream corn and prunes and all that shit. But there's like Tony's Pizza and chicken tacos and fried gorditas. Let me and- ask a question. Who's Tony? Tony's Pizza, I don't know. It's a brand. Like a frozen pizza. It's not Tony Northrop, if that's what you're asking. No, yeah. I was thinking it was a local pizza place that no, delivered. No, Tony's frozen pizza. Right, right. <laughs> and I'm not saying the pizza was great then, but I mean, chicken, bacon, ranch, salad? I'm reading straight from the menu here. I'm not saying this is all healthy food or anything. I'm just saying, wow, if I had been a kid with this kind of menu, I would have probably not skipped so much school. <laughs> well, that-, <laughs> that was my incentive to go to school. Let me tell you my school lunchtime school lunch story, and it really sucked. Um, I didn't for some reason because I was in foster care as a child. I didn't get the school meals. My, um, you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I wasn't. I didn't get the school meals. I got a packed lunch, and I think it was possibly the foster parents trying to not spend the money. Oh dear. This sounds like a tragic story we should make a movie about. (laughs) I'm not not, laughing. I'm just saying, my God. Yes. So uh, I didn't get the school meal, so I got a packed lunch. So I sat in in our school hall where you go and eat your dinner. There was the canteen where all the kids went who were getting the cooked food. And then there were the people who had the sandwiches, packed lunches over this side. And um, I once expressed that I liked lemon curd sandwiches. I think I've told you this before. (laughs) Yeah. I, I would never eat a lemon curd sandwich in my entire life anymore. But for some reason, I liked lemon curd on white bread. And then for the next five years, <laughs> I got every day lemon curd on white bread. There was was no, lemon curd very cheap? It's just like, it's just like jam, you know? <laughs> and, uh, this is really a sad story. This podcast is not about your sad childhood. It wasn't sad. It was just like, it never changed. It was always, even if I kind of said... Can I have something different? It never... I think it was probably the easiest. So okay. lemon curd sandwiches. Just for, just for continuity, I've just looked up the menu from your high school, which was in Manchester, England. Yeah. And it's right there online, too. They got a pasta bar, baked pizza slices. I mean, things are different fillets, now. Theo's marinated chicken flatbreads. Holy crap. Jacket potato, which is a baked potato. I'd have that every day. Classic tortilla wrap. Curry of the day. Yeah. You know what? It wasn't that when I was in school. They also have oven-baked pork sausage and vegetarian sausage. They're very progressive there at Fred's. I think they are in most schools nowadays, right? Well, I didn't see any vegetarian on my menu. Middle well, America, they ain't gonna feed kids no vegetarian food. 
Anyway, if you're a oh, I'm kid... I'm being very biased, I apologise. If you're a kid and you uh, really love your school meals, great, because I just had uh, lemon curd sandwiches. <laughs> you, now everybody needs to feel bad. Like, so, I have to feel bad because I liked my shitty frozen pizza dinner that I got. You know, uh, I can I can remember this too. I used to... Uh, there was a friend um, who liked lemon curd sandwiches, and I often <laughs> used to trade... My lemon curd sandwich for his ham sandwich. This is not the before the after the show discussion, by the way. This and just sort of sprung up organically. And this kid had the same issue as me. He only ever had ham sandwich. That was all that was ever made for him. <laughs> so you always got a ham sandwich. <laughs> no, well, it was not an always trade. It was when he was bored of them, I would trade. I got it. Occasionally, I would That's get That's funny. Ham. I mean, it's not. It's very sad. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so um, moving on. Moving on from our sad childhoods. I so, didn't have a sad childhood. I had good, terrible school food that I ap- happened to like. Well. Yeah. It, I also like hospital food, just as a side note. So, you know, I'm a weirdo. <laughs> <laughs> so it is uh, the weekend of Saturday, September the 1st. This is after the show. We're a movie review podcast. Occasionally we review school meals, but <laughs> only once, a, once in a while. This is After the Show, episode 546. Every week we review a new movie, and this week's movie is Woman Walks Ahead. It's a 2018 movie, released on Blu-ray on August the 28th. So that's this, it's, it's out now, basically. You can pick it up now. It's rated R, and our friends at Lionsgate sent us a copy for review. And uh, Sid Talk will give you the small synopsis of Woman Walks Ahead. Loosely based on a true story of a woman who wanted to advocate for Native American rights in 1890s, 1880s, 1890s. This is the romanticized version of that. That's it. All right, so Sid, you start with the... Is that uh, brief enough for you? With what you thought of Woman Walks Ahead. I really enjoyed it. I mean, it's supposed to be based on true person, true events. It's not really. Explain the... um, Because people won't know anything about this. No. It's a woman who apparently... Carolyn Weldon, in real life, did go out west, as they say, from New York out west, to advocate for Native American rights when, just before they were about to pass this thing to take away more of the lands or commandeer more of the lands for Western expansion, you know? Yeah. And that's the, she did that. I don't think she made much of a difference from the sound of it. She came back. Um, she made friends with Sitting Bull. Some say there was a romantic interest. I don't know. It's not clear. It's like vague history what there. What was her occupation? Uh, well, she didn't really have an occupation, but she started painting later in life. And so she wanted to paint, according to the movie, a portrait of Sitting Bull, which she did in real life because one exists at the Historical Society and one somewhere else. But So in real life, she did that. She painted it. She came back. End of story. In the movie, she goes as... Just a woman trying to break free from the shackles of her controlled life. She's a widow from what we can only gather is a very controlling man. We find out she's from a controlling childhood, and now she wants to break free. It's 1890, remember? So it's a little bit tricky. And she meets up with Sitting Bull to paint his portrait, and then becomes, in the movie, more of a force to try to help the indigenous people, the native people fight against this Western expansion. Spoiler alert. It also didn't help in the movie. <laughs> they didn't romanticize it enough to be like, happy endings, everybody. <laughs> we're, all like, we're all like happy together now. They didn't go that far. But um, basically, that's it. The portrait getting painted 
is sort of the thread that ties the two reality and fiction together. And this one's more fiction than reality, it seems. Yeah, because it's basically portraying her as this woman who just wants to go and paint the portrait of this person that she's read about, I, I assume, and thinks is probably very colorful, demanding, or commanding character that represents to her freedom. You know, the plains out west are just freedom. She's seen paintings of the Indians or Native Americans. She's seen paintings of the plains and the open lands and the mountains. And she sees it as freedom, which, of course, is what she wants in her life. She wants to paint his portrait. And while she's there, gets wrapped up in the idea of trying to salvage what lands they have left. Um, so that's the movie story. Yeah, the movie story. You know when you watch the movie Titanic? <laughs> yeah. And there's a real life event and and then there's some Or Pearl Harbor. Yeah. I was thinking Titanic, paint me like one of your French girls, Jack. There's some Jack, painting in that. Jack. Well they never neither of them existed. So it's like <laughs> nothing nothing in that movie is real except some of the but, people and But the in crash. this movie, um all we know for certain uh of the you know, real story is this lady existed. She She's painted very, the painting. Yeah, she did a painting. She's very, like this, like she mentions, she's a footnote in the history books. There's very little about her anywhere. And uh, we also know Sitting Bull um, existed. But you know that the guys in this movie, like, who are, you know, the US guys, are they based on real people? <laughs> the US guys. You know. You mean the, the military, the general? The cavalry. Um, are they based on real generals and stuff? Or don't know. They? So that's what I'm saying. It comes across. Uh, well, me? it does say here, it mentions the James McLaughlin, who is the guy who came and was basically saying, like, give them a chance. Yeah. At the dinner table, he's drinking all the wine. So oh, that yeah, guy yeah. existed. Um, was his was his wife? You know, the thing. That wasn't him. The, McLaughlin was the other guy who came with his army. McLaughlin's, McLaughlin's this guy. Oh, was it? Yeah. Okay, well, he existed. Right. And he's like the, you know, his <laughs> that was really good, that scene, actually, when, mm -hmm. when he's like insulting Native Americans and then so happens his wife is. Here's a side note. McLaughlin, that guy in real yeah. life, initiated a smear campaign resulting in her being hated and reviled by much of the white community and vilified in the national press. Who, um, this, the Catherine lady? Yep. Oh, really? Well... Yeah. So if you want like it's a very true, confusing. if you want a story, see me personally, I don't know a lot about American and Native American history. Uh, so watching this movie uh, and see, you know, as it, I'm, I'm pretty much straight in as this is history being told to me. <laughs> you know uh, better. I, I yeah, and I was dying for it. I actually was like, I can't wait. Not I can't wait for this to end because I'm enjoying it, but I can't wait for this to end to fact check what's going on here because yeah, it seems too romanticize like it really does there's a lot of like rom almost romance novel -y type stuff in it where i was like oh this is a bit would this have happened i and felt I like it like, wasn't well, real and then i was like well anything can happen so maybe this is the amazing story of this right but obviously it is not like it is you have to take this as a movie there are some characters who are based on real life people but the actual story it's very, what, like 5% of it might be real? Not even that. Just those two characters, maybe that third character, and that 
it was a real event mm. that Sitting Bull was shot upon his arrest. And then the um, massacre thing that happened after that at Wounded Knee, those are all real events. Yeah, the massacre at Wounded Knee. We've yeah. seen movies about that. So that's a real event. But th- it's not covered in this movie, apart from some writing on the screen at the end and some real-life yeah. photos. So this really is what it boils down to is, it's, it's, you know, it shows you this woman as this badass woman. It's a Titanic, <laughs> essentially. Yeah. I mean, it really, It's like a terrible thing, and then you want to add a little bit of fluff to it to really make it palatable. They really this woman up, though, right? They, yeah. like, make it so she's hardcore. Like, she's start, she gets a beating, and she stands up for it, you know, and she, she uh, won't get on a horse. She'll just walk. Yeah, like, where do you come up with that? If you if we can't research and find out anything about this woman, well, I think they're just trying to. What would a woman do who was super tough? Well, guess what? She'd walk in a high heel. She wasn't tough. She was afraid of the horse. No, I mean they were trying to make her seem like a tough. That wasn't tough. That made her seem weak to me. Like she was mm. too chicken shit to get on that horse. Right. <laughs> so then that made her like uh, just a to bit me the to stubborn. me getting on the horse would be the easy part. Like walking would be the hard part. But you under- you saw the movie. She was afraid yeah. of the horse. Yeah. That's why she didn't get on that, because she was tough. I mean, you could also say, why Why would they make her afraid of the horse? I mean, it's weird in a movie like this, where you're dealing with some... Well, real- yeah, they had to introduce a little story about her life as a child, which I don't know that could be substantiated. It's mostly... So, we're going to say this is 99% fiction, except for the actual points that we've found are true. Yeah. But um, it's a well-made, beautiful, beautifully lit, beautifully shot, well-told story as a movie. Yeah, Don't, well, it's not a documentary. It's not promising to be representative of real life. So you can enjoy it as a movie and then go do your research. And they can be two separate things. What I took away from it was how beautiful the landscape is, which is actually New Mexico where they filmed. Mm-hmm. But uh, it, again, they linger on the landscape a lot and it, it's really nice photography. I um, always am interested in Native American culture and how, you know... They were squashed by the white man, basically. Like, it is a horrible, horrible thing that almost got swept under the rug, right? I mean, it's a weird... It's still... I think that it represents and there's there's all sorts of reality that swarms around when one people come and take over another place. Yep. Every single place on the planet appears to have had that, right? And it's never pretty. And no one is exempt from, like, guilt and reactionary things, whatever it is. You, But one could say, as soon as you attack a place, let's say we're going to use our example, as soon as Europeans come over and then decide, we want this place, you don't fit in, we don't like your lifestyle, we don't like this and that, and the clash of the cultures was so dynamic. Then you decide, well, we'll just squash them down so small (laughs) that they will barely exist anyway. And that was kind of the long-term plan. Well, what's the reaction going to be of a people? Take now, for example, if in England, all of a sudden, you had Putin from Russia. I'm going to use Russians as the bad guys. I apologize, but it's the best example I could think of. And they decide... um. We're going to take over England, and so we're going to take away freedom of speech, we're going to take away this, we're going to take down all your monuments, we're going to take down all your stuff, we're going to 
take over all your businesses. We're going to change all the laws and the rules. And that's just the way it is. Well, how would that go down? The first British person who throws a rock or stabs one of the invaders, are they now evil? Or yeah. are you supposed to lay down and just let it happen? Because as soon as you retaliate, you become part of it as well. So it's just an ugly thing all around. And unfortunately, I do think we get a lot of these twisted historical, you know, some people say, well, we would never have America if it wasn't for this period. Well, true, but then we wouldn't know any different. Right. <laughs> Most of us wouldn't even be here if that didn't happen. And it always bugs me when, like, I see, uh, you know, older films where it's, you know, cowboys and Indians, so to speak. And, I mean, uh, if you really watch... It always bugs me that they they always go, the savages, and never refer to the Americans as the savages. Always Except in that one movie. Savages. Was it savages? <laughs> no, it was not. It was, <laughs> it was uh, the other, I other word. I recommended it this week. <laughs> yeah. It was... Uh, no, I, I wrote savages. <laughs> I don't think it is hostiles. hostiles. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but generally, if you go and watch the old westerns, you know... But I mean, it applies to everything, doesn't it? This movie reminds you, reminds me everywhere. I mean, the Romans conquered all of England at one point, and then that was undone. You know what I'm saying? They came across and tried to conquer, obviously, people like Napoleon tried to conquer lands. Hitler tried to conquer lands. Everyone who tries to conquer and take somebody else's shit just for the sake of it, or for power or resources or whatever... But, it's uh, all the same, and unfortunately, the end result is it's all the same. You've you just act like an asshole, basically. But Native American history, if, you know, when you look into it, but it's really it's beautiful. It's like based on peace. It's based no, on- I, I think that's unfor- That's an unfortunate side effect of some of the information we get. We don't know that for a fact, and so if you we go don't and look know. It up, you right, but we don't find- know everything. Because we're not part of that world. And so you can't romanticize that either. You have to, you know. You have a really interesting, like everything, it's just a very interesting thing that America tried to, what? What did, just remove Well, it wasn't America yet, so. No. I mean, it was working on it. But even now, uh, where are, where are the um, reservations now? Where, where, the remaining ones, where will they be? I don't know, to be honest. Yeah, well, there's obviously some in New Mexico because they filmed this there and then they actually got some real people from reservations. But yeah, I mean, they've gone, right? Are there any reservations here where we live in Missouri? No, I don't think so. Because, you know, back in the Wild West days, Missouri was the open plains and the... Yeah. You know? I mean, the Looks like New Mexico, the Dakotas, there are several. Right. The whole West. But not a ton, right, anymore. No, not huge, like, you know, millions and millions of acres, no. So, yeah, this would be the second film we've seen this year that hostiles on this one that actually has a lot of Native American aspects to it, right? This year? Yeah. We we saw saw that other one. Hostiles this year and this one. And the one of the, was that last year? Where there was the murder being investigated of the girl, and it was snowy. Oh, yeah. And the father put that on That was his... last year, yeah. Okay. I know which one you mean, yeah. But I can't remember the name of it. The one by the guy who did... Oh, what the hell was that called? <laughs> We're losing our minds. That was on a Native American reservation, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But in modern times. So, um, 
so I was taking this movie, like I said earlier, as history. So I was watching it that way. I was like, oh, wow, these things happened. Wow, oh, look how close she got to Chief Sitting Bull. We don't know any of that. So No. But as far as an ent- entertaining movie, and it's really... Um, I said to you, the word savage came to mind. There's some really brutal scenes of, a, you know, a woman being beat. Um, by? Just... By Jerks. White men and invent a village. <laughs> We're yeah. not talking about... Yeah, you're talking about savages as in just anybody being savage. Yeah, and it's really... You know when she got off the train at the beginning and a guy hits her in the face? Mm-hmm. How shocking was that? He didn't hit her. He spit on her. Yeah, I mean... He didn't touch her. He spit at her. That. Well, I'm, th- I'm mixing it up with the bit where she did get hit in the face. Yeah, no. He just spit in her face, but... So when she got spit in the face, I was like, What? <laughs> Like, how assholey are, are people? And he's like, oh, I'm just mad. Also, he's fictional. Yeah, but I'm sh- <laughs> I, I, don't think that, I don't think that was out of the question back then, right? Ever. Even now, let's be honest. Yeah. I'm um, sure people get spat on all the time. Yeah, so we'd actually... So, as far as a... So, basically, the bottom line is, it's not a documentary. It's it, not an outline of actual not- events. It's just got a little bit of nugget of reality everything else is fictional to make an entertaining movie that could sway you as maybe you know people would say it's leaning a little bit toward like look how terrible you know the american expansion to the ward the west was because it kind of leans that direction yeah it leans it does lean that yeah direction. so if you want the facts look them up for yourself and then just stay neutral and it also um it's beautifully filmed. Um, there's some really great performances in it, which we'll go into in a minute. And it's not an action movie. If you're thinking this is a Western action, th- there isn't action in this movie. It is a more of a peaceful, you know, drama. It is not for somebody who wants to see people shooting at each other. Because there is actually no shooting at anybody, really. <laughs> you know? It's not that kind of movie. So don't go in thinking it's a... Uh, the other movie was Wind River. Wind River, yeah. Don't go in thinking this is a uh, rootin' tootin', you know. It's not a Clint Eastwood movie from the 70s. No. There's no people coming out of the saloon and having a gunfight in the middle of the street. It's just not that movie. So, moving on to the cast. Uh, Jessica Chastain plays Catherine Weldon. Now, do you like Jessica Chastain? Have you liked her in other things? I don't know what else she's been in. Many things that we've watched. Yeah, but I mean, off the top of my head. I'll give I'll give you some examples of what I liked her in this, which is what matters. So yes, I liked her in this a lot. She was in Interstellar, The Tree of Life. Oh, Tree of Life, yeah, yeah. But again, yeah, she was intense, kind of quiet. That was a that was one of those movies where it's hard to pinpoint people's performances. It was a bit she esoteric. Was in the Huntsman Winter's War. That's the second in the Huntsman movies. Um, Zero Dark Thirty. I don't think you saw that one, did you? No. Been in a lot, a lot of... She was actually in Veronica Mars, funnily enough. Back in the day, the TV show. She is coming up in, uh, you know, the It movie that we watched last year. The sequel to that, she is actually Beverly, the older version of Beverly. So, oh, right. So, um, I liked her. Yeah. I really like her. Um, and in this... I think she threw herself into this full on. She's I agree. my favorite thing about the movie, to be honest. And I will mention other people in a minute, but. Oh, I like Grey Eyes. He captivates yeah. me. Well, secondly, uh, this, this, the 
Sam Rockwell plays Silas Groves. And I just want to say, I generally like him, but in this, if he didn't, it didn't feel right. There was something about him that didn't feel right to me. Like you didn't he was, feel bad enough or good enough. Like you're, he's portrayed as like the bad guy, villain, asshole. But it wasn't enough. But it wasn't like the guy. It wasn't like um, from what was the one we watched? <laughs> <laughs> the other western. Oh, it was that one. Your recommendation. Him. Hostiles. Yeah, where he, you're convinced yeah. he's a fucking prick. Yeah, and yet so. he has the whole arc of a character coming, you know, learning about things and coming to some changes. This guy was just pretty flat. Pretty flat. And the other problem I had was he, he's almost hamming it up in some scenes, trying to be the the, the gruff cowboy guy. A little and, bit. And like, it, it seems very caricature uh, portrayal of him. Like, you know, where he puts his hands on his belt and all that. I was yeah. like, it, it just, I kept thinking, that's not very realistic. Oh, no, that's very realistic. Well, it, absolutely. My it dad seems used like to old, do that all the time. But it seems like old um, but it's like not. Bonanza or something. No, no. My dad did that all the time. He'd, he'd rustle up his belly and pull on his pant, pants when he got all mad and agitated. So, you know, yeah. like uh, in... As I sit here doing it. You know, like in Hostiles... Um, you know, Batman in Hostiles. Yeah. <laughs> He's real hardcore and grizzled. And I bought him, but oh, I didn't absolutely. buy Sam Rockwell. He was a bit too polished for me. Like, polished cowboy. I think that's fair. Um, did you like him? Um, he was alright. I was kind of neutral. Because it was ambiguous about his... Because I felt like, well, you're not... You don't seem mad enough or vengeful enough or... Like, you really are here to decimate the entire you know, Native American peoples. So I'm not, I wasn't sure about him. <clears throat> yeah. There was some, definitely something that was off for me. And I was like, he doesn't match up to the other people. It's kind of, and it's, his scenes were kind of dull or something. I, I don't know. It was, I was like, oh God, can we get him out of it please? And just go back to the other two. There isn't many, like there are people in this movie, some other people, but I only focused on the main three people. And the last guy is Michael Greyeyes. Mm-hmm. who plays Sitting Bull. And he's a Native American actor, and you will have seen him in other things, including CSI. Yeah. <laughs> we found, this is a little thing that we do. When it's we a look trend. <laughs> if you look people up. In the last look, 20 years. Yeah, and you look down like towards when they were first starting in the business and stuff. Usually, like, CSI, there's a few of them that come up. Um, and they usually like those crime shows that are on TV. They're in one or two episodes of them yep. on the when they're working their way up. So uh, this guy, Michael Greyers, you liked him a lot, right? Yes. Oh, yes. I was very interested. <laughs> I find him very attractive, just so you know. And if anyone doesn't know this, I'm talking to my husband, but he is very, he's just really captivating. And they portray him like a sexy guy. Is I that, didn't think that. No, I, you might well, have seen that. Well, to her at least. They kind of yeah, showed not it to from me. It was more just like him, the person, not the character, knowing the weight possibly of, you know, he's going to have a lot of, like, people looking at him. And I, I think that's that happens when you try to or you're expected to represent any people's. You know, I mean, if you're playing an abused woman or an African-American person in the 60s or this Native American person in the 1890s or, you know, 
a person in a wheelchair trying to live in modern society, then a lot of the people in those particular groups are who try to, you know, point out the inequities for those groups. They'll look to you as like, okay, do it right. <laughs> you know what I mean, like you be the person to represent us. And while that may not be necessary, it's still, I think, going to be a real thing. And I feel like I felt his, he took that very seriously. Yeah, he was, um, he's pretty intense. And then what was surprised me, it was actually funny. There's quite, there's some quite funny parts with him where it's showing you the difference between Native Americans and Americans when she's like, you know, his rituals and when she, she lives with him for a while, don't she? Like when she's doing the painting, I don't know how long this painting took, by the way, do you know? She healed up. And so that would have taken a long time because she was all beat yeah, up. So she spent a lot of time with him according to this movie. Yeah. According to reality, we don't know. Yeah. But I mean, you don't do a painting quick anyway, do you? You can't, no. you can't rip a painting out. Like it takes well, a while. Some people can. Well, she did a few, right? Four, apparently. Two, did two go missing? Is that the... I don't know. All I saw was that one was in that one place. Yeah, I, I read on Wikipedia she actually did four, but they don't know where two of them are or went. or So that could just be fiction too. So this is directed by Susanna White. Um, she directed a bunch of different things, TV shows and things, but the movie she directed was Nanny McPhee Returns. <laughs> I didn't see Nanny McPhee nor The Returns. Did you? No. Um they were big popular movies at the time, but I don't, you know, I don't know Susanna White and I don't know her work so much. But the, let me say about this movie, it's not like nothing stands out about it, right? As far as a director would bring to it this. Yeah. No, nothing like, it's not like fancy or stamped. It doesn't have any particular vibe except and a lot of the scenes and the shots and this is down to cinematographer and editor as well really don't go together like i'm usually not tuned into that with movies because often the effort is made to make everything color graded and the scene represents the mood i actually reckon i reckon i noticed that myself yeah that there were so and they're all beautiful that's the thing they're shot individually and beautifully and the Lighting is very different across the board. It's this, the way they're shot looks very different. Even the camera movements from scene to scene to scene, it's not all cohesive. So that would be one area I would say as a director to kind of like, is it more reasonable to say we'll leave the scene as it is because it's beautiful or should we try to match it up with the one that comes next? Um, did you also... So it didn't um, have like a style about it. Did you get the feeling that that teepee was like a TARDIS? <laughs> yeah, <I was> like, <laughs> he looked awful big on the inside. Yes. Yes, because like the te- the teepee from the outside, I thought it was just me, but you see the teepee from the outside, and then you see her on the inside talking to him. And, and I was it's like, like a movie set. And it's a mo- all of a sudden, it's not a teepee. It's not the innards of a teepee. It's a set. And it kept bugging me. I kept no. I kept thinking like this isn't them inside a teepee. It it's not right. Like it don't feel right. It's a little nitpicky thing, but I'm glad you picked up on it as well. I thought it was me being Yeah, <laughs> it was funny. It's those kind of things where it, like, knocks some points off the movie for me because it doesn't all feel authentic. And, uh, you know, some of those parts felt like a cheaper, lower budget, like a TV show where they're doing eight scenes in a little studio, and that's how they felt to me. So that was a shame. So um, on the uh, Blu-ray which you can now get, 
It does have some deleted scenes, a making of with uh, Susanna White and an audio commentary with Susanna White. We did watch the making of. What did you think? It was all right. I mean, it explained, it told me that she was real. The person was real and that this kind of happened, but she didn't fill in all the details about how different it was. It was basically Susanna White sat there on a black background. Yeah. And she was just explaining how they made the movie and how respectful they were. were and-, and that was good. It's a solid you know, informational thing, but. Yeah. Didn't go into the history of the person or, you know. No, I mean, I when there is a real life thing like this and they've got a Blu-ray and they've got an extra section, I always wish they did do like a small History Channel style thing of, look, here's the real story of uh, Catherine Weldon. Caroline. What? Caroline Weldon. No, Catherine Weldon is the name, right? Caroline. (laughs) Oh, Caroline. Why did I put Catherine on the the show? Caroline. (laughs) I'm looking right at it. Oh, look. You know why I did that? Look at IMDb. Ah. Catherine Weldon. I I take my information from IMDb. (laughs) IMDb, you are actually wrong with your um, cast. It says Jessica Chastain plays Catherine Weldon. That is not correct. According to Wikipedia, who knows? We're going by sources of information on, on, we cannot hold vet. On, hold on, I'm going to look at the back of the cover. Da, da, da. We need to watch the movie again. Oh, okay. This is the back of the Blu-ray. This is out. The back of the Blu-ray. Based on true events, Woman Walks Ahead tells the story of Catherine Weldon. Oh. So they've changed her name in the movie. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking straight at Carolyn Weldon. A Swiss American artist and activist in the National Indiana became friends with Sitting Bull. Here's her whole history. Right. Here's the movie about her. So yeah, it's interesting. So um, actually, um, so IMDb, if you look her up, look up Carolyn and IMDb. You are not wrong because that that is actually the character in the movie. Yeah, her actual real uh, thing is Susanna. Right, her real name was Susanna. So there's to add a little bit more. Yeah, mystery. <laughs> So, I mean, um, let's face it. Ultimately, she has a movie that's out there about her in the world. Which is great, right? Even her name if it was, is completely inaccurate. Her, her birth name was Susanna Carolina Feisch. So Correct. Carolina. So then she changed her name to Carolyn Weldon. And she was uh, Swiss, from Switzerland. So to justify how different they made her in the movie, they decided to give her a whole different name. They did. That's funny. So there is a movie out there about... So in this movie, now we know, in this movie, Sitting Bull was real. Yeah. That is all. No. Also, there are two paintings. That's true. Done by this person that now we don't know her real name. That is all. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So, um, yeah. So extras, they're they're cool. Uh, I will listen to the commentary for sure. I'm interested to see what she says about the real subject and why they changed what they changed, which is most of it. But, um... So overall, what did you think of the movie? Like, you just your general... You asked me already. I loved it. I loved it. No, I didn't love it. I think there's... I loved it because I, I was really in it, and I felt like it was that story told well with a little bit too much... Um, schmaltz. Schmaltz is a good word. Is that what I'm looking for? Schmaltz sounds <laughs> right. Uh, sap. Is that what we're looking yeah. for? <laughs> Sappiness. Romance. Yeah. Like, like... Yeah. It's- like, it's overly trying to be a romantic when and, it didn't you know, need to be. He does try to remind her at one point, don't look, at, don't talk to me like you don't know who I am, to remind you that up to this point in history, he had been the leader of bands of Native Americans who did murder, fight back, murder people. I mean, 
Some people say there are no rules in war. I disagree. But or that all is fair in love and war. But we have to remember he wasn't like Mr. Squeaky Clean had never done or made a bad decision. But that doesn't really portray him as that. We only see the part that we can assume this character lady would see. Because she didn't see him as a warrior or anything. That's exactly what I'm saying. Like, it's often from her. We're seeing things from her aspect. Like, it's like, oh, well, he's this guy. He's really nice. I've got to know him. He's not the warrior that everybody thinks. He's not just a savage like people think. So we get to see it a lot from her romanticized view of him. Which, again... Who knows what she thought yeah. in real life. Well, it's probably a lot different. So um, thank you to Lionsgate for the Blu-ray. And next week we are reviewing the movie Hereditary. Um, look out for that one next week. Horror fans. Movie recommendations this week. I am going on the Western theme. One of my favorite Westerns, Open Range. I always like to um, recommend that one if I can. Open Range. Do you like Open Range? Yeah. I think I, I was really impressed. Not being a big fan of westerns, watching that one, I was like, wow, that was what I like to see in a western. And my other one is Hostiles, not Savage. I wrote Savages, but it's not Savages, it's Hostiles. And uh, that stars Christian Bale, and we reviewed it not so long ago. Excellent western. A bit more brutal than this one is. <laughs> so, uh, But with talk. a similar message, just with what could probably substantiate as a more less Hollywood portrayal. Yeah. Maybe, maybe not. I mean, I wasn't there, so I don't know. And mine are, and even though I cannot honestly say I've seen this whole movie, or if I did, I don't remember it, but I feel like it represents a person who, in that time frame, a white man who goes and learns about the native ways and then becomes part of that is Dances with Wolves. Is that an accurate description of that movie? Yes. That he learns the, you know, yeah, I was disappointed because he never dances with a wolf. <laughs> but again, I haven't seen it, but I'm just saying it, it. there are probably several stories out there where a person is of an opposing thing, as in... I only ever saw it once, to be honest. I think I watched it a long time ago. When it I came out, know. yeah. And the other one is, it's not a great movie, so I don't know if it counts as a recommendation, but it's called Medicine Man with Sean Connery. I don't think I've ever seen that one. Um, and the person who gets wrapped up in it is this woman who has to go out and I don't even remember why she goes out to this guy, Sean Connery, who's a scientist doctor guy who lives with a tribe in, and the the theme of the movie is, um, to stop the cutting down of forests. Oh, hold on. I have seen that one. Yeah. Yes. And so, spoiler, (laughs) it's about, my recommendations are about people who go from one side of a of a thing and then end up being on the other side. And I don't think it was great or anything, but at the time I really liked it. So Medicine Man and Dances with I'm going to recommend a movie that is not great. And I don't even know. Well, hey, you know, you got to watch it for yourself. True. If you love Sean Connery, who knows? Who knows? And it's the woman from... Um, that's not a knife. This is a knife. That guy. Crocodile Dundee. It's her. Mrs. Crocodile Dundee was a man. No, the woman in the movie. <laughs> you said Crocodile Dundee is her. No, no, it's her from Crocodile Dundee. Yes. The actress lady who's... Catherine, somebody. It is Linda Kozlowski. Oh, really? Yes. Yes, that's her. I was thinking of 
I'm still thinking of Catherine Walden, I think. You know what? She hasn't been anything since 2001. That's because she was in that sucky movie that... <laughs> that I'm <medicine>. recommending. <laughs> <laughs> it finished uh, her career. Where'd she go? Now I'm curious. Where the hell did she go? Uh, don't tell me something horrible happened. Oh, I'm sorry. In 2001, she was in Crocodile Dundee in Los Angeles. So maybe that was the thing that... <laughs> yeah, maybe. That does sound like something that might kill your career. All right, so there are our recommendations for this week. Um, a Scully stuff. I've been playing one game this week. Interesting story with this game. I've owned this game for about two years, and I've never, ever played it. And it is Ubisoft's Rainbow Six Siege. It's a Tom Clancy game. Um, R.I.P. Mr. Tom Clancy. He still lives on, doesn't he? There's lots of games and movies based around his things. So, um, Rainbow Six Siege. The reason I own it and I've never played it is when I bought a video card a couple of years ago it came with a free game which was that I installed it and just never ever touched it and this week I have been playing it more than ever I actually what it is like it's um interesting it's kind of like Call of Duty but it's a bit more slow paced so there are two teams it's multiplayer two teams of four one team they're like realistic scenarios. So let's say the scenario is there's a uh, a cell of bad guys and they're all in like a farmhouse, and you're the you're either the bad guys who have to stop the SWAT team coming in, or you're the SWAT team who has to go in and take the bad guys out. Now there are lots of different characters you can play as. Each one has a different skill. So you might play a character who can fire smoke grenades uh, or poison grenades. There might be a character that has a really cool shield that he can hold up in front of him, and it's really hard to take him down. They've all got their own specialist thing, so you pick a character before you start. And if you're the there's two rounds. There's defend round, and there's the one where you attack. The attack round is they've holed themselves up inside the house or whatever it is. It might be a skyscraper, it might be a house, it might be a ship. And you've got to get into the room that they're in and take that room either by A, killing them all, or B, like there'll be an objective you have to get, like steal a suitcase or whatever it is. And the other way around is you just have to haul up in there and you have lots of tools at your disposal to secure the room that you're in. So you can pull like blinds down over the windows that are made out of metal. You can put like um, barbed wire on the floor to stop people getting in doorways You've got little uh, drones with, you know, drones. It's a thing these days. Little, like, vehicles that you can drive and look around the corners. You've got, you know, you've got um, generic guns as well, you know. But a lot of the fun comes to, like, figuring out a fun way to, instead of just shooting people, like a fun way of taking people down. So, you know, setting up booby traps the big selling point for the game is you can actually blow walls up, you can blow floors up, and you can blow ceilings up. So it makes the game... You think you're safe in the corner of a room, and then all of a sudden somebody explodes the ceiling and comes in through the ceiling, or the other way around. They come up through the basement. So it makes you on edge the entire time because you never feel like you're safe if you're trying to defend the room. And if you're attacking the room, you never feel like you're safe because they're in there waiting for you. There's booby traps. You know everything's going on. So it's a really cool game. The only downside I see to it is, and I said to you about this, 
it's kind of like they've got this loot box system for getting all the cool stuff in the game. And most of the cool stuff is locked away like at the beginning. So if you want all the cool characters who do the best things, you have to buy them. Now, you can either buy them with real money, which kind of pisses me off a little bit because the game costs $60 to start with and then they want you to buy things with real money. And it's not small amounts of real money either. Like, a character costs $10 in real money. Or you can play the game for a long time and earn $10 of real of in-game money and buy the character that way. But the way they have made it, it takes so long. And I haven't actually... I've played about seven hours, and I haven't actually got another character unlocked. So they've made it so it's like ridiculously long time for you to get a new character that eventually you probably go and buy one. Which I don't like, because it feels like you're being a dick. <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, but yeah, you do earn money after every round, like um, in-game money. And the other thing is this loot box system, and this is how it works. In something like Overwatch, every three or four rounds, you get a loot box... It's free, you know, you get it just for playing three or four rounds. Takes you maybe an hour to get one. You get one, you open it, you're happy, you get some cool stuff. In this game, they have a a wheel, like Wheel of Fortune. It spins. After each round, this wheel spins only if you win the round, though. If you lose the round, the wheel, the spot on the wheel, which gives you the win, gets bigger. So if you lose the round, it gets bigger. And if you keep losing rounds, it eventually gets so big that you're never going to miss it, right? So it kind of pays off, like, eventually when you win. As long as you play a lot. So, like... And pay a lot. So the chances of you winning get better the more you lose rounds. And then eventually when you win a round, the wheel spins and then lands on the spot, which, if you've lost a lot, the spot, you know, eventually will be 100%. You're definitely going to get the box. But... I've found, I've had three loot boxes in the entire almost 10 hours of playtime. Whereas in Overwatch, you would have had 10 loot boxes in that space of time. And opening a loot box gives you some kind of adrenaline kick. <laughs> it, is, it is one of the things in these games that you go, Oh, I've played. I did really well. Here's my loot box. I'll open it. Oh, here's some really cool stuff that I can play with next time. A new gun, a new skin, you know. Just fun things that you can play the game with. In this game, I don't feel like I'm being rewarded very well. I feel like, you know... In fact, this is what really miffed me off about it. The second loot box I opened, what was in it was a really cool helmet for a character that I don't own. And then it said, well, if you want to use this helmet, you need to buy the character. I was like, oh, can't you arrange that so I don't get that until I own that character? Because that is even more skeezy. Right? Because it's like, look at this cool helmet. And you know the character that you need to play it? Well, he's only he's $10. You can go and get him. And then you can instantly wear the helmet. So, you know, it's just, it's full of skis. But the overall game is really fun. So I don't know if I, what am I? Did I recommend that? Or did I just say don't play it? <laughs> <laughs> because I actually want to play it right now. That's how engaging the actual game so is. So they've got you hooked. And I, I, I'm not the kind who goes and buys DLC. I mean, I'll buy DLC where if it's new story or something. But I won't buy, like, a helmet for a guy and stuff. I would rather just play the game and eventually earn the helmet for the guy. 
So for me, it doesn't kind of work, but I can imagine the kind of people who, you know, they just go, oh, screw it. I'm going to pay $50 and buy all the, buy all the helmets. It's going to work on them. So that's Rainbow Six Siege. I really like the gameplay. I wish the game, if they were going to do all this skeezy stuff, I wish the game was actually free for everybody. Occasionally, if you go on Ubisoft's um, client, which is called Uplay, they do a free weekend for Rainbow Six Siege. So if you're on the fence and you don't know whether you want to try it, you can play it for free. Just check, like, on a Thursday, and they'll tell you if there's a free weekend. It happens quite a lot. It seems to happen once every month, to be honest. So that's Rainbow Six. It's from Ubisoft. Uh, what's for dinner? Freddy's. We're vegetarian, so we don't eat steak or meat or burgers. And you don't eat, like, real ice cream anymore because you have a bad gallbladder. So we don't eat custard. But we're going to eat at Freddy's Steak Burgers and Custard. Or Freddy's Can Custard, custard and Steak Burgers. custard on the burger? <laughs> See, now I want some of it. The frozen custard is really good. But I don't mean to tempt you or anything. But that's what we're having because we, they have a really good black bean burger. And you love the fries and the fry sauce. So that's what we're having. I really want a 7-Up drink with mine. All right. Are you telling the world or are you telling me? Because the world's not buying you that shit. I am. (laughs) (laughs) I'm the one getting in the car, putting on my shoes, driving all the way over there, making all that effort. When I could just cook us some supper here, but I'm not going to. What are your um, advice? What What are my advices? What are your (laughs) advice? (laughs) I'm not the biggest fan of rules, you know, but I understand why we need them in every almost every situation, right? But I'm a little more of a freeformer. But I think that if you can, like, follow the rules up to the very edge of what needs to be done to make things make sense and not be dangerous for people and get things done and be productive, and then just take the leap of faith in whatever it is you're doing in yourself that you can, like... Make your own decisions. This is a simple but very and very small example. I am not a seamstress. I do not sew very well. I don't know all the rules. I know some of the things about using, you know, how to like do little folds and <laughs> hems and a few of the things, a few of the rules. Yes. Yes. How to get a thing to, how to get a piece of uh, clothing to hold together. So that you can wear it. That's not the extent. But I can't follow every single rule that follows every single pleat and the perfect this and the perfect that. I need to just take a leap with the skirt that I'm making and realize I know the rules enough to use my sewing machine and the stitches I need to hold it together. Everything else, I need to just make it up. I need to just do my own thing. So my skirt will look like a patchwork quilt, probably, and might be probably crooked and make my butt look 50 times bigger than it is and all that jazz because I don't know how to, like, sculpt it and I'm not a fashion designer. But I just have to have faith that in the end I will make it the way I want. But I have followed a few of the rules along the way. It's not just free. I'm not just, like, gluing it together. You know what I mean? Like, you probably could, but. So in life, you could apply that, like, you know, I know the rules at my job. There are rules and expectations and tasks that have to be completed and sometimes in very specific ways. I work in a, sta- in a data center. So, I mean, we're talking about data and lots and lots of equipment and lots and lots of money and very valuable information about a lot of people. So there are rules that have to be followed. And then to get some things done, I have to sometimes go, eh. <laughs> I've done all the rules and now I'm going to take my leap of faith 
make this new decision that's not going to make everybody happy and see what happens. It's not exactly in line with every single rule, but cross my fingers, hope for the best. Well. I know that's not really advice. No. (laughs) It's just like, don't don't be wrapped up in every rule and think that not following the rule means complete inaction, that you can't do anything because you don't know how to, you know... I don't know about follow the rules, but let's say you need to make a change at your job and you've gone through every every path possible and nothing is happening. Well, you followed all the rules and now you decide to give up. Like, don't give up. Find another way. You've done the rule part and now go around it. You know what I mean? Like, get it done. I don't know how else to say it. Well said. It isn't. It was not well said at all. Don't even compliment me on that. Not well said. <laughs> not well said. Terribly said. Terribly said. Not well executed advice slash observation slash rambling. All right. So if you want to um, go to our <laughs> website, sayscully.com, this is the home of this podcast. Say oh, and just so, just so you know, I was wrong. The woman in Medicine Men was not the woman from Dundee. It is the doctor from Sopranos, Lorraine Bracco. Oh, really? Yes. Nice. I just had to make that correction because someone might make it for me. Well done. Thank you. Thank you very much. Not very well done. (laughs) Again. (laughs) I'm not really. (laughs) All right. So uh, you can catch us on Twitter and Facebook. You can catch this podcast on the iTunes Music Store, the Google Play Store. Just go to aschoolie.com, click on the word podcast. You can listen to it or download it from many sources, including iTunes, Google Play, the go to your Amazon device and say the uh, word and then say listen to after the show movie podcast on TuneIn and you will hear it. Uh, Sorry for my email notification there. Somebody's telling me something. (laughs) And you can also catch it on YouTube, this uh, podcast. Email feedback to me at ascully.com. Don't email Sid Talk. And stay classy, Miss Jessica Chastain who we will next see in the movie It Part 2 next year. And I'm going to say think for yourselves or someone will do it for you.